0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. All
1: right, Coop, appreciate you. Good luck where you are. I'm Chris Cuomo. Welcome to Primetime. Arnold Schwarzenegger is here tonight. A Republican former governor who redefined politics when he became governor in a recall election. You know, then Arnold was seen as maybe not conservative enough. Now he is a holdout for the good old days of conservatism, about being about something else as a Republican than just Trump. We'll talk to him about the state of play. And on our watch, we have more proof of the GOP Troubles, And they are troubles for all of us because they are keeping anything from getting done because opposition is enough of a position in the party right now. Trump's wingman in Congress, Kevin McCarthy, gifted the ability uh, to put people on the January 6th committee by the Democrats. And he just named his picks. And as expected, three out of the five, including Jim Jordan, are among those who voted to overturn the 2020 election results in Arizona and Pennsylvania. So the big lie once again gets a seat at the table. In fact, at least three of them. Meanwhile, Trump could be saving lives in MAGA world this very moment merely by stating some basic truths about the vaccination. Instead, big lie, even about the vaccine, BS about the election, BS about vaccines, just to attack Biden, just to help himself. Trump says... People are refusing to take the vaccine because they don't trust his administration. They've taken the vaccine more under his administration than they did under yours, mostly because of timing. Trump says they don't trust the election results. I wonder why. And they certainly don't trust the fake news. Well, there are plenty of reasons for that. And you're certainly one of them, which is refusing to tell the truth. Look, I can't speak for anybody else. I will never, ever allow scrutiny, criticism, being given a hard time, even threats to being able to do the job, affect whether or not I ever get on bended knee, like way too many people have in the media and in politics, for Trump to like them. He's lying to you about the election. They've never shown you any proof of any of these suggestions, and you need to know that. The BS about this country, about the election that he lost more than eight months ago, And now to be playing with the vaccine as these people who are unstable on the right are trying to stir the stew of lies that led to a needless summer surge of covid cases. We are up one hundred and forty five percent from two weeks ago. And if you don't think part of that is because once again, our deep denial made ourselves sick this time about the vaccine. You're kidding yourself. Hospitalizations, deaths are up but so are breakthrough cases. And we need to talk about what that means. There are too many people who think that if you get the vaccine, you can't get sick. It's not the truth. So what is the truth? We'll talk about it. All right. And look, we know the reality of variants is going to be something we're going to have to deal with. And you know who knows that already? The stock market. Worst performance of the year off more than 700 points. Why? The Delta variant. It's going to affect travel. It's going to affect the ability to go out. They're worried. The ex-president, He doesn't care. He may even try to gloat if that happens because it's not on his watch. But today's plunge. It's in context now. Last time it was this bad, Trump was in charge. In fact, the Dow tanked by more than a thousand points eight times last year, mostly in March. You know why? Because Wall Street knew that he was not up to the task of the pandemic. Wall Street knew he was lying. And they knew the reality because they pay people to know the reality so they can place their bets. And Trump knows that. But what he cares about right now is selling you the fakery that denies the bloody and deadly attempted coup he incited on January 6th. And today, the first of his minions, convicted of a felony for storming the Capitol, learned his fate. Eight months in prison because he wasn't violent. Those who were better hope they can cut plea deals. Trump was not worrying about that. And the new tell-all, I alone can fix it. Trump says... Many, many people have told me that was a loving crowd. It was too bad. It was too bad that they did that. He'll never take responsibility for anything that he doesn't think is good for him. Know that. So let's bring in former governor of California, Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's good to see you, Gov.
2: It's great to see you. Thank you for having me.
1: You're looking well. I'm following your workouts and you on the bike and Instagram. You're an inspiration to people. And now uh, it's crossing over once again from fitness in terms of fitness to lead. What do you think as a Republican, seeing who McCarthy picked to be on that commission today?
3: Well,
2: I didn't expect that question out of the gate, to be honest with you, because I said to myself, the way I know Chris and the pictures that I see out there all pumped up and greased up and all that stuff. I said, he's gonna ask me, how does he get a better six pack? Well, how does he build up his guns better? How can he compete in the Arnold Classic bodybuilding championships in Columbus, Ohio? Or something like that. 50 plus, that 50 plus ask,
1: category. Gov, 50 plus category. Give me a little something. <laughs>
2: well, I, I, you know, I don't want to really, to be honest with you, to get involved in this uh, political stuff because um, I'm very good in just keeping uh, focused on the goers. And the goers are my environmental goals, you know, to make this a cleaner world and to make it a safer world and to go and get rid of pollution. That's what I'm, uh, you know, fighting. And right now, the immediate danger is, of course, the coronavirus. As you, uh, you know, said so eloquently earlier, uh, it is on a rise, and I think it is very important that we communicate uh, uh, as effectively as possible, because I think that the communication is the key to all of this, if it is a coronavirus issue or if it is the environmental issue. I think by just uh, calling people that are not getting vaccinated idiots or losers or they're stuck in the past or they're not believing in uh, in the science and all this stuff, I don't believe in that because I think that's not the way we win them over. I think what we have to do is we have to just figure out various different ways and maybe study what other countries do in order to get a, a higher rate of vaccinations going, or stuff. And the same is also with the environmental issue. I think we should not attack the other side. I think that we should kind of figure out how to communicate better, to bring them in. That is what the key thing here is. And, you know, this goes back to my bodybuilding days. As long as we always said bodybuilding, no one was interested. But as soon as we started talking about weight resistance training and progressive weight resistance training, everyone said, oh, that sounds really interesting. And we started switching the communication. And I think the same thing is with all of those subjects. It's communication, communication, communication.
1: All right, so let's talk about that. Uh, We have some time tonight, and I appreciate you giving us the time. Let's start, first of all, with what we're getting wrong in the messaging level uh, when it comes to making ourselves healthier with coronavirus. Uh, I hear you about saying, don't denigrate people who are worried about taking it. But what about the group where it's political for them, uh, where they believe they're showing strength by not taking the vaccine because the vaccine is a function of some bad political game for them? What do you say to them?
2: Well, Well, Chris, you know, People today make everything political. And I think that we should not play along with that. I think we should step out of that. Uh, because I tell you, when I one time announced that I am going to eat less meat because the doctor told me that it is healthier to eat more kind of vegan type of ve- vegetarian type of foods, um, they said, oh, you're becoming a girly man now. Arnold. I mean, you're becoming more a Democrat, a liberal and stuff like that. So I think that we just... Uh, We just have to not answer that. And I think the key thing is that we just keep communicating the right way and to just let the people know that, look, vaccination is good. I think it is very important that everyone gets vaccinated. I understand that you don't believe in it, uh, but maybe there's something that we can convince you to believe in it. And I think it doesn't have that much to do with the fact that we are, um, you know, that they don't believe in the science. A lot of times it has to do also with the fact that they don't believe in government. And there's a reason for that, because let's be honest, I mean, government has screwed up so many things in the past that they feel like this is one of the many screw ups. I don't trust it. So there's a distrust in government.
1: What do you say when people come forward and say to you, hey, what do you think about uh, our democracy? Do you think that we can trust the elections anymore? I mean, that has also suffered because of messaging. What do you say to people? I mean, you've spoken about this. People should know your history by now. But coming from Austria and your embrace of democracy and the opportunities and the ability to have free and fair elections, the ability to become part of them yourself, we're all part of your dream uh, that make you a unique part of the of the American experience. Now that's being questioned about whether people can trust. What do you say?
2: Well, I uh, made it very clear uh, since the election that I believe in the election and I believe that everyone should go out and vote. I think that it was a fair election and uh, President Biden is the president and it's end of story. And then, you know, that's the way the chips fell, whatever the reasons are for that, but that's the way the chips fell. And I think that we should now support the president 100 percent and do everything that we can in order to make him successful, because if he's successful, the nation is successful and we can move forward. There's a lot of issues that need to be addressed right now rather than worrying about the election or any of the, the, the results and going back and going over that whole thing over and over. I think we should really look at how do we stay the number one country in the world, because I'm concerned that we're going to lose our competitive edge if we keep fighting doing the infighting, blacks against whites and whites against Asians and blacks against Asians and Hispanics against this and uh, Democrats against Republicans. There's so much infighting going on. I think what we should do is really concentrate on making this a fair country and a great country. Fair country meaning there's equality, equality in voting, equality in opportunities, so that no matter what race you're from, what religion you're from, that you can be successful in America. I had the joy of, uh, of really enjoying this great success in America because of America, and I want everyone to have that same cho- uh, chance.
1: Where do you think the country is now in terms of your experience here and seeing where we are with the level of dialogue and level of commitment to the national cause?
2: I think that it is very important that we stay focused and not do this little kind of uh, this arguments and, and, and attacking each other. I think it is extremely important that we think of the big picture. I mean, there is world powers out there, China, for instance, they keep marching forward according to their 100-year plan. They don't stop. They keep marching. They've been online. They have been successful so far because of that. And I think we have to do the same thing. We have to create a vision together, Democrats and Republicans, and say this is where we want to be with energy. This is where we want to be with uh, immigration. This is where we want to be with getting rid of the debt, the national debt. This is where we want to be with growth of the economy and with the environment and all of those kind of issues. We got to come together and fight those battles together because that's when we are the most successful.
1: So let's do this. Let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk about how you get people on the page of wanting to listen to anything about the environment. And then what is the messaging that former Governor Schwarzenegger believes would improve on the current state of play? He's got ideas. He gave a big speech um, in on the international stage recently about it. It was very well received about his ideas about messaging. Message matters. The governor will be with us right after this. And I am going to get some tips. It's time to step up my game. Next.
2: If pollution created by humans, then we can solve it. Humans can solve it. We can kill it. We can terminate it. Coal is collapsing as we speak. 12 years ago, 45% of U.S. electricity was generated by burning coal. Now it is below 24% and falling fast. The only one that tried to bring coal back was
1: Donald Trump, but he is also falling fast. I don't know about the last part, but I'll tell you that what Schwarzenegger's speech is worth a listen. You can find it online. It's like 23, 25 minutes. And it was very interesting that he didn't change the issues. He changed the message. And the former governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger, is back with us now. Uh, just to correct the record, I am never greased up. You will see sweat, but I am never wearing any kind of oil or anything like that when I work out. Governor suggested otherwise, nothing but respect. Not true.
2: It's, it's, it's okay. You can deny it. It's fine. I mean, later on, we can talk about it privately, about what kind of oil you used and all that stuff. It was coconut oil, I was told. But anyway, let, let's forget no, it's not, about it's it. Not, not, the, I
1: only fry with coconut oil. So he, when, we, when we look at the current challenge we have, COVID was just about taking a vaccine, just putting on a mask, and we were easily distracted from it, easily dissuaded that this is about science. And made ourselves sick. If we couldn't do that, how do we take on the more subtle and more demanding challenges of climate change?
2: Well, I think that, uh, first of all, as a whole, I think that the, the community did really a great job with, uh, you know, communicating because unlike what the environmentalists do, which is that they present so many problems about the, about the, the fish dying and the, about the, the sea level rising and the polar bears dying and the icebergs are melting, and the, people don't know anymore, well, wait a minute, is, is there so many problems or is this one problem? Well, how do we address it and all that stuff? And, and, and I think that with, the, with the, the vaccine, or I should say with the coronavirus, they say it's very simply, wash your hands, wear a mask. And uh, do social distancing, and then get the vaccine when it comes to, becomes available. So this was a simple message. If they would do that in the environmental movement. We will be much further along. And the reason why I'm saying that is because people are confused. They don't know what the hell they're talking about when they say climate change. They don't know what they mean when they say carbon neutral or any of this kind of stuff. We know it. It's kind of environmentalists talking to environmentalists. And what I'm saying is we should communicate differently. We have tried this for so long now, this kind of message of alarm, and the world is going to come to an end, and this is an existential threat and all of this stuff. We have heard all of that. But we have to have solutions rather than just threats and scaring people. And this is exactly what we did in California. In California, we sought environmental issues by communicating different. We didn't talk about climate change. We talked about pollution. We made it very simple. I said pollution kills people. Pollution will create healthcare problems. It will go and create asthma amongst the children in the Central Valley and stuff like that. And that scared people. And that's what tilted everything. And uh, even when the oil and coal companies tried to derail us, we were successful because we communicated the right way. We didn't use the polar bears. We didn't use the the, the rising sea levels or any of this. We talked about pollution. And this is what I'm trying to convince the environmentalists, environmentalists in the community, that they should, after 40 years of miscommunicating, they should communicate the right way and not to villainize the other side and to scare the other side, but to actually bring them in with good communication, and with good dialogue.
1: So if we look at the numbers, uh, we've seen that something has changed uh, recently. If you put up the Gallup poll line graph. Um, so you see that the, since the 90s, the Democrats have been getting more concerned that global warming will pose a serious threat. And the most common thing you see in the media is global warming's not a future problem, it's a current problem. You saw Republicans moving that way, but with a gap. But then since 20, uh, between 2008 and now, they've gone in the opposite direction. Why do you think that is?
2: Well, I think the key thing is, is that we have to communicate in the best way and to show people that you can protect the environment and the economy at the same time. There is no place that is a more perfect example of that than California. I mean, think about it in California. We have passed the strictest environmental laws in the nation. This was in 2006 with AB 32 and then the renewable standard to go up to 50% and all those kind of things. And everyone said that we're going to kill jobs and the economy is going to go down. We're going to lose revenues and the business is going to move out of the state and all of this stuff. Now move forward to now. Now we have the fastest growing economy. We are number one in the nation. Not only number one in the nation with a a $3.1 trillion uh, GDP, but we are the fifth largest economy in the world. In the world, only China, Japan, the United States, and Germany is bigger than California. And this is with the strictest environmental laws. So this is what people should look at. This is what the federal government should look at. And forget about the Green New Deal and all of those kind of things. Study California. We are the perfect example... Think about it that we had just since last year to this year, we had a growth rate in the green energy sector, but 35 percent, this is the highest growth rate of jobs anywhere in the world. So this is record-breaking things and we are number one in the economy, we are number one with our GDP, we are number one with our employment, with the manufacturing jobs, uh, with tourism, with agriculture, with all of these things, we are number one with the strictest environmental laws. So we are the perfect example that you can protect and bring together the two E's, environment and the economy, protect both at the same time.
1: But people will look, it's not a but, but people look at the United States right now and they see 80 large wildfires in 13 states. Our largest one is in Oregon. Uh, in California, You've had worse and worse fires, it seems, each year. Uh, Right now you have uh, up around Lake Tahoe they had to evacuate, uh, and that they believe that the wildfires are being fueled in a way that we haven't seen before, that they're larger and spreading faster. So isn't California, while you're finding some solutions, isn't it also proof of the problem?
2: Well, there are 13 states that have wildfires right now all over, and over one million acres have burned. You're absolutely correct. It is because of climate change, because our temperatures are rising and all this kind of stuff. But you can overwhelm people with this information, talk about climate change, we got to get down again to the reality. And this is what creates that. It's pollution. So let's go and try to kill pollution. That is the key thing. And that's what we have to communicate to the people, and also suggest to the people how they can become part of the movement. Because remember, government is not going to solve this problem alone. Government has never solved any of those big problems alone. I mean, if you think about the civil rights movement, if you think about the Indian independence movement, the suffrage movement, uh, the the the, the, and the apartheid movement, all of those kind of things were done by people, people power. And they make this mistake that they go to the COP 21 and 22, 23, and all this COP conferences, and they think that government is going to solve this problem. They can solve this problem alone. This is why I say, for 40 years you've been doing this now. Let's try something different. Please, try something different. we have done in California, which is communicate better and get everyone involved in this movement, and tell people what they need to do—that they have to have a smart meter, that they should get us the next car, maybe an electric-powered car, or a hydrogen car, or a hybrid car, or something like that, or not to buy foreign goods, because every time you buy a foreign good, that you go and you put it on a ship and you have to ship it, and the fifteen largest container ships in the world pollute more than all of the cars in the world. So people should know they—they they want to be if they want to be part of the solution, stop all of this stuff. Do the right thing. Everyone can participate and everyone can be part of this movement. And this is what I'm
1: trying to tell people. Make the people become part of the movement and not rely totally on the government. I'm not going to waste my opportunity having you with me. Uh, It's tough to get you on the show. Uh, you talk about trying new things. we got to talk a little bit about fitness, 50-plus uh, fitness. Uh, my new thing is that I do full body all the time now. I've been watching your workouts. What do you think of the idea of, instead of splitting up the workouts, doing full body now? I do legs pretty much every time, though. I'm big on the legs.
2: Well, I think that is it is a fantastic idea to do the whole body. I think that whatever you do, you're doing right because you look really fantastic. I mean, I have to tell you, I saw some pictures of you uh, over this last year, and I think you're doing really great. A work and I just want to add something here which is very important. When you talk about fitness, when I became the chairman of the President's Council on Physical Fitness and Sports, you know who was one of the first governors that invited me was your father. He didn't care when you talk about politics. He didn't care that I was a Republican. He didn't care that I was campaigning for Bush. He didn't care about any of that. He invited me to come up and to meet with his healthcare experts and with his education experts. And we had a wonderful press conference after that and promoted health and fitness for our youngsters in in New York State and all over the country. So that's the kind of a dad you, your dad was, and I will always appreciate that because then other democratic governors invited me after that. And this is how I was able to cover all fifty states in promoting health and fitness. So I just want you to know that uh, that uh, he was a wonderful man and I really appreciated his great work.
1: He was a had tons of respect for your story, uh, Governor, about where you came from and what drove you uh, and how you used your opportunity here as a big fan. Uh, And much later in life, he he got into weightlifting. He made fun of me, um, you know, for so many years uh, about it. But uh, I respect you and I appreciate you. Uh, No grease. Never had any grease. Wasn't coconut oil. If I'm using coconut oil, it's in Landed, my coffee or it's on the pan. <laughs> I'm going to hear about it. I'm going to, I can talk okay. to you, about the oil is going to kill I
2: like little posing trunks that you're wearing sometimes. Well, secretly. listen,
1: I do, I do <laughs> like a tight fitting garment. I think it helps. I think it accentuates the quads and you need that at my age because I'm dealing with attrition. Bravo, bravo. Governor, are, you are a, uh, look to me as a, as a fitness person, uh, I love your example and I appreciate uh, you keeping us all in the game and... And you are right about messaging. And the proof is we haven't gotten anywhere near where we need to be as a people. So the messaging is obviously not getting it done. Uh, Governor Schwarzenegger, people can go to the Schwarzenegger Climate Initiative. They can watch the speech uh, that you gave about this. And you'll be talking about it a lot. And you're always welcome here. Be well.
2: Thank you, Chris. Bye bye.
1: All right. So it's good to have him. Uh, Obviously, rare opportunity. Stuff about the oils is not true. Just telling you right now, I may look like I have it on, but it's just sweat. All right. As a matter of fact, let's just put that to the side. Republicans uh, like Governor Schwarzenegger, they are speaking up, but it's hard because misinformation is winning. And not just when it comes to the environment, but on the front lines of nuttiness Uh, right now, that cuts straight through Arizona. Trump is now demanding Web routers to be handed over. He doesn't know what he's talking about, but I'm telling you, it's going to resonate. Let's bring in someone who talks to Trump voters every day. I guarantee you he's going to start hearing about routers. Now, what do we see about the state of play? And what do we see about how right and left can get to a place of being reasonable? Broomhead, next. You know, simply stated, our problem is, is that we have become addicted to information that makes us worse. Think about it. Think about the fraud it In Arizona, okay, the cyber ninja who has this outfit has no business doing anything like this. They never have before. And the guy at the head of it uh, is a known malefactor when it comes to conspiracies. They throw out a number, 74,000 questionable mail in ballots out into the ether. What about that number? It's garbage. The number alone, though, is enough to get Trumpers riled up. So what's the truth? Where does 74,000 come from? It comes from comparing two lists, one for ballots requested and one for ballots submitted. So what's the discrepancy? Where's the 74,000? 74,000 people voted early over a weekend, but their ballot submissions were not updated in the count until Monday when the clerks returned to work. Is that really it? Is that all of it? Yes. Who says so? The Republicans in Arizona say so. You know, your people, if you're in that party. So that's the truth, but it doesn't matter, why? Because the misinformation is intoxicating because it fuels what people want to be true. There's a problem and that's why they need these people to fix it. That's just not reasonable. Mike Broomhead is a conservative. And the host of the Mike Broomhead show on KTAR radio, big in Arizona. He wanted to see a count because he thought the count would fix it. It's made it worse. He's against the count. He's getting his ass kicked as a result by his own people. Over his shoulder is his brother who died serving our country in Iraq. That's why the picture is there. Uh, Mike, once again, thank you for being with us. 74,000, brother. They're filling up your airwaves. Seventy four thousand. Explain that broomhead. Stop giving these lefties currency Own the truth, brother.
4: Yeah, you have uh, you hit the nail on the head. The count here was about people that voted early. And that was the, the, that's where that discrepancy came in. There are a lot of things that have been very, fairly easily explained and people are not listening to the explanation. So that's been kind of the problem when you throw out numbers and then people give you a reasonable explanation. You've got to take the explanation. If you don't, then I think you're part of the problem.
1: No, I don't trust you, Broomhead, because you've been bought off. Must be something, you know, somebody will give me some notion about it, but you've changed because the cyber ninja guy, he's us. And he went in there. He's a good American. And he was concerned about this. And seventy four thousand. It's a huge number. And that's not all it was. That's not all it was. I heard that's not all it is. What do you do with that?
4: Well, again, you must be reading my Twitter account. Um, What you have to do is consider this as as I understand the passion and I don't want to buy into the fight. So instead of arguing with people and fighting, I try to be reasonable and tell them, here's where the numbers came from. If there's anomalies, if there were things done wrong, I will say it on my show. We haven't seen a report. We haven't seen any of that. But I've talked to people at the county. And when they talk about the numbers that have been given, they have an explanation for the numbers that have been given. So you have to take the explanation or you're just a part of wanting to scream and yell and you're not a part of the solution. But Trump says, why won't
1: the Rhino Maricopa County Board of Supervisors give us the routers? We need the routers, brother. That's the secret. The routers, just like we needed the piece of equipment for Hillary Clinton. We could have just gotten the server. Now we need the router, just like Biden's laptop. It's another piece of equipment that holds all the secrets, Broomhead.
4: Well, let me, let me go a little bit Republican on you with that analogy. First of all, nobody in Maricopa County has destroyed the routers. They still exist. Um, but I will agree with you on this. And here's the router conversation. Um, the routers were part of what the state Senate wanted. Our sheriff, who was a Democrat, and our county attorney who was a republican both of their offices it people have said if the routers are given over to people they could subject the county and all of the county's business could be subjected to hackers so what the county did was they sent the routers out to verify that they were never connected to those machines so the the uh, servers for the voting machines were never connected to the internet. They verified that already for the people at the audit, but they're still screaming about the servers. It's about Internet safety coming from both a Republican and a Democrat. Again, when you hear the explanation, it's reasonable, but you have to be willing to listen to the explanation.
1: Left and right has to become reasonable. Mike Broomhead, you are always welcome on this show. There'll be places where you have problems with things. I welcome that. Um, you're right. Hillary Clinton, her people destroying those things, that was a problem for her that never went away because it substantiated the concern. But that's in the rearview mirror. And now here we are. And once again, it's being used to make people angry. You are here to have the conversation and you are welcome. Be well, my brother. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me again. All right, be well. All right, so hear me on this. Nearly all the problems that we're having now with COVID, and yes, yes, I'm spooked, okay? I know. I was good. Let's get back to life. I wanted to be back to life. I did not anticipate us getting to uh, herd immunity with the vaccine. I didn't. I didn't think it was going to happen. I didn't think, though, the variant would be picking up the way it is this fast during the summer. I expected this in the fall. Why? That's what I was told by the big brains. Okay, but now the unvaccinated are making themselves sick and they're making other people sick. The breakthrough cases. How can people get sick when they get the vaccine? How are Olympians getting it? How are all these Democrats from Texas getting it? We are being hit over the head right now by not understanding what it means to get vaccinated. Let's do this. Let's take a breath. Let's bring in someone who knows, who is at a major university in Tennessee where they're getting crushed on the vaccine. And let's talk about what the vaccine means and doesn't and where we're headed. Next. We have news on our watch that we have to deal with, and it's actually the perfect time because we have somebody to come in. Uh, Let's bring in Dr. William Schaffner. He is professor of the Division of Infectious Diseases at Vanderbilt University Medical Center, which is in Tennessee, which is having a real problem with uh, getting people vaccinated right now. Uh, Doc, we just got a piece of information that Congress member uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, whom I refer to on this show as the QAnon kook, because I give those people no respect. I don't care if she's in Congress. She was just suspended from Twitter for 12 hours for saying, Vaughn, I um, see your producer, give, what did she say? For saying the virus is non-dangerous for non-obese people and people under 65. Uh, twit, and called it human experimentation um, to use the vaccine on anybody else. Twitter suspended her for 12 hours. You're not in the business of judging Twitter. Judge the information that she put out.
3: Well, Chris, it's awful information. I'd like to bring her to our intensive care unit and show you plenty of people who are younger than age 65 and unvaccinated. Those are the people who are being admitted today. It's rare, very rare to have a vaccinated person require admission to the hospital today for a COVID-related illness. It's all unvaccinated people, and the vaccine works, and it's safe, and it's just a matter of time before the FDA gives it its full approval, and we can take that issue off the table. It's what? not experimental. We've given it to 186 A million people in the United States. Well, part of that is it hasn't gotten FDA approval. And that's a little bit of semantics from
1: the scientific perspective, but it matters. And I don't know why the Biden administration isn't pushing it uh, faster. But here's why you're losing, Schaffner. You're losing. You're losing the messaging battle. And here's why you have the McConnells. McConnell says, hey, I'm pro vaccine. But he's quiet about people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and the senators on our own side, like Cruz and Paul. Marco Rubio. Um, he got the vaccine. He's pro vaccine, but he's quiet. I was actually wrong the other night. I threw him in the group of Paul and Cruz uh, who are trying to make some hay over beating the vaccine. He doesn't do that. Uh, that was unfair. But he doesn't say anything out about it either, which is a part of the problem, because you're losing Schaffner because they say, look at the breakthrough cases. Look, at I thought the vaccine worked. Look at the breakthrough cases. Look at the Olympians. Look at the Democrats from Texas. They're all getting sick. This vaccine doesn't work. What do you
3: say? Well, I say, first of all, these people are not getting sick. They're having infections for sure. The vaccine is keeping people out of the hospital. That's what it was designed to do. It's also reducing the risk, reducing the risk of being infected. And we're finding some people who, yes, even after they've been vaccinated, can still get an infection. But that's not getting sick. The vaccines were designed to keep us out of the hospital. The vaccines aren't perfect, but we did get a bonus that they're driving down infection rates also, but they're not perfect, and we're going to find some people, although they're vaccinated, still acquire the virus, but they don't get symptoms. Now, that's still a success in my book if you don't get into the hospital and have to be admitted to the intensive care unit.
1: The one change that I know we'll agree on, the CDC needs to start tracking the breakthrough infections, even if they don't lead to hospitalizations, because you're gonna start seeing apples to apples, people who are vaccinated and how they deal with the variant and people who are unvaccinated and how they deal with the variant. And that's gonna be very important data. Dr. Schaffner, thank you for setting us straight. Appreciate you, stay well. Sure, you too. All right, he conquered cyberspace, Jeff Bezos did. Now he's trying to reach the outer limits of space itself. Is he? I don't buy it. I don't even get all the fanfare. So I had to find somebody who would come in and join the hate parade with me. Neil deGrasse Tyson. You don't get any smarter. Look at his background. Guy's all about space. So let's talk about, you know, what the hype is here and what is the use of what we're seeing happen uh, with this kind of pay for play in space. Next. Jeff Bezos is going to ride a rocket for 11 minutes, more than 2000 miles an hour, almost getting to space. And I know we keep saying space, but he's not really going to space. Doesn't that matter? I'm mean, all well, semantics. Not really. You're going to space in that priapic rocket. He's scheduled to take off tomorrow morning on a rocket designed by the company he founded in 2000, Blue Origin. His trip is going to come nine days after Branson's flight, which wasn't really that, you know, I mean, you know. I mean, it's cool, but, you know, is this space travel? You know, We've got one of the biggest brains to help us on this, Neil deGrasse Tyson. First of all, his newest book is Cosmic Queries. And I'm just happy to see you, brother. I, I'm, I'm always grateful you're in my life. I'm grateful for what you're doing to us. Uh, you look like you're circling the cosmos right now with what you got behind us. So what's your take on this?
5: <laughs> so a couple of things. <clears throat> As an astrophysicist, I carry a different personal definition of space than most people who would talk about going into space. So, but I don't wanna sort of that to spoil uh, the celebration, all right? So Branson and Bezos, the billionaires on the block, they're trying to open up a new marketplace, space tourism. Nobody was doing that before. So yeah, there's some claims of going into space and there are rule there are there, 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 there elevation rules about that. That, that Bezos is satisfying. It's the 62 mile limit, 100 kilometers. It comes out even in kilometers, and that's the height above which there's it, not enough atmosphere between you and the stars for it to glow in daylight. But he's not going so into in other orbit. Words, you in, in a blue sky, and then the blue sky disappears, and you see stars. Right, but he's not so going that's into orbit. Operational definition of space. But he's not going into orbit. No, correct. So, so we have an operational definition of space, and the claim is if you get that high up, you get your wings, your astronaut wings. Not that wings work in the vacuum of space, however, but we'll let that one go. Um, my, a next level would be going into orbit. And when you're in orbit, you're in continuous free fall towards Earth so that everyone in orbit at all times is weightless. Whereas on these Suborbital flights, they're only weightless for the time from when they shut off their rockets until they fall far enough for the atmosphere to start slowing them down. Then they begin to feel sort of G-forces of that. And it's only a couple of minutes. So these are levels of space travel. Yes. And a point I made on on Twitter in the last couple of days is uh, if you take a schoolroom globe of the Earth and ask, well, where's Mars? It's a mile away. Where's the moon? 30 feet away. Where's the International Space Station? It's orbiting three-eighths of an inch above the surface. Where's uh, Bezos and Branson? Um, They are just less than an eighth of an inch above the surface of that globe. So what matters here is no one is doing what they're doing. So I don't have a problem with it. Provided the future of that exercise is that space tourism gets democratized, gets cheap enough so you could save up a a few vacation dollars uh, and then go up yourself. Then there would be a whole new marketplace.
1: I think you're right. I think it's all about where it leads us. And they have the money and pioneers often do. Neil deGrasse Tyson, I got to tell you. You're pretty spooky coming through with this background today because a like part of you kept disappearing. It was just your hands. It was just your head. But look, I'll take any part of you I can get. Thank you for being, uh, you know, what you always are. You're just so smart and you make it relatable and you help us understand what actually matters in this situation. Be well, brother. I'll see you soon, I hope. Good to see you again. Thanks, Chris. Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's smart. All right. We're going to be right back with the handoff. I appreciate you giving us the opportunity tonight. Uh, I will be off the rest of the week, but right now I give it to Don Lemon tonight. with the I Kid know. Star D like, Lemon. I just saw
6: you. You're like, I'm not going to see you this week. I'll be off. And then I walk into the office and scared me, uh, the wits out of me. I thought I was seeing a ghost.
1: First of all, I can't scare out of you what you don't have. <laughs> and second, <laughs> duty calls when the boss says, would you? Are you saying say, yes. witless?
6: Huh? Are you saying I'm witless? Yes, that's what I was saying, Don. <laughs> Very well done.
1: Uh, would For you, proving
6: your point, would you go <laughs> to space? Uh, I feel like I'm with it when I'm with you. I'm in outer space all the time. Mm. Um, sure. Why wouldn't I go to space? Yeah, I would go. How what? many reasons do you want? I want to go. No, I wouldn't want. I don't think I'd want to be the first. I'd let them, you know, work it out first, and then, of course, I'd go. Sure.
1: Why not? What if it's like really expensive?
6: You didn't ask me if I had to pay for
1: it. That's a whole different uh, story. You know what? (laughs) Fair point. And given who I'm talking to, you would assume it was
6: free. Oh, stop! You know that's not true. Um, Yeah, I would go. I want to ask you about also uh, what you had on um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I did. And the radio guy. But what do you think? What do you think? Mike Broomhead. Yeah. What do you think the chances are that we're actually going to get something out of this select committee? Especially with the, you know, three of the people on there having vote, voted to overturn the election. Or Here's not what to. I think.
1: Here's what I think. One, I think it's very indicative how many conservatives want to stay away from it. Yeah. They don't want to opine. Now, look, Arnold doesn't get into a lot of partisan pee things very often. He kind of went at it with Trump a little bit. Uh, was not a pleasant experience for him. So he didn't want to talk about it. Broomhead will talk about that stuff more. He's a real conservative on radio. You can look at him up yourself. They don't want to talk about it. They want to stay away from it. The Democrats own this dereliction of duty. This was a mistake. You tried to make it a bipartisan committee. Oh, I thought, it, it so,
6: sorry, I was getting my, sorry,
1: go on. Okay, uh, you tried to make it a bipartisan committee. They didn't want to do it. They turned away everything that the Republicans said they wanted, you gave them. They still didn't want it because they wanted to investigate Black Lives Matter and Matter Antifa as well as January 6th, which is absurd given the mandate of this. But to give them these seats, now you're going to have these guys on there—Jim Jordan and the other ones. Three out of the five denied wanted to decertify the election. I mean, come on, man—it's going to—it's going to so ruin. So you said it.
6: this is a Democrat's fault or the Republican's fault?
1: Democrats. Why are you giving them the seats?
6: Well, because they're trying to. Aren't we supposed to be the country's supposed to be about bi- bi- about bipartisanship? Shouldn't. Because if then you're, then they will completely say that it was a partisan, partisan They're undertaking. They're going to say it anyway. Well, not with these guys on there. Yes, but the, that was my, the first thing Jim Jordan said: yeah. was This is about getting Trump. So, yes. So my question
1: is: We're not going to get anything out of it.
6: Do you answer my question? You don't. think Well, we're first of all, I was never
1: a big fan of a congressional investigation in the first place. Uh, now, the 9/11 Commission really is the gold standard. That wasn't a congressional committee. They didn't do it that way. Look. We don't have the threshold of trust in Congress right now. We don't have the men and women who can transcend the politics in a way that would be useful here. I think it was doomed from the start. But now, any vestigial, you know, any benefit that they were going to have here, at least of showing us how things broke down and where people should look, I think is lost. Well,
6: okay, so you answered my question. But I don't think it's actually fair to put it on the Democrats, because what would you have them do? There should be a committee to investigate what happened on January Mm -hmm. 6th. And yes, they should try to get the other side. It's important to the country. But you can't blame the Democrats for the Republicans putting up that or the Republicans failing to do their job. How does that?
1: That doesn't make any sense. Here's the sense. You're inviting me to your house. You want to have a nice party. I say as soon as I come in there, I'm punching everybody in the face. You invite me anyway. That's on you.
6: Yeah, but I'm going to invite a couple bouncers, too, that can check you. You don't have that here. And the Democrats should do that. They should invite a couple bouncers that can check the other side. No,
1: they're going to have him in there. Yeah. Jordan is going to be attacking everything. He happens, by, by the way, he happens to be pretty good at it in so, terms of who he's trying to court. You got these, So should
6: so then should Nancy P- Pelosi veto him she and the can't other now, three?
1: She got beat at her own game again because now that McCarthy went public with the names right away, now if she vetoes them, which is within her power to do so, yeah. it's going to look like— politics and that she's silencing them (laughs) now you're blaming her for politics i don't get it
6: i don't understand why you're blaming the democrats for doing the right thing they didn't but you're not blaming of course they did they no way the right thing is just just to do the committee without republicans how is that the right thing
1: because they don't want to do the work of the committee and now you're inviting them in to ruin the work you tried to do it bipartisan (laughs) now you're doing it through a select committee so you're telling you're telling me that they can't win i don't understand your logic because, no, look, because I
6: agree. You don't, don't understand. No, I don't, don't understand your logic because it doesn't make sense. You're saying, it, of course you're it makes saying sense. the Republicans are not going to accomplish anything on the committee. Therefore, it's the Democrats' fault. Nancy Pelosi can't veto someone who's going to be bad for the committee because then it's going to make her look bad. That doesn't make any sense. It sounds like you're pandering to the right. to it try. It doesn't to, make sense to you some, because I don't think you're it thinking it
1: through. I'll say it again. Okay. They tried to do a bipartisan committee. Okay. It got submarined by the Republicans. The Democrats offered them everything they wanted, except right. the mandate of looking at BLM and Antifa, which is absurd. OK, so it's not going to be bipartisan. That conversation. So was they invited
6: over. So they invited others. So they're still trying to do the right thing.
1: Much like I don't the president. see it as the right thing. You okay. you don't invite people into a process that they want to destroy and expect to make progress. Okay? Would you put somebody on the Bezos uh, rocket who doesn't want to go into space <laughs> and will do anything he can to stop it? Like you. Is that who uh, you
6: want? No, but that, uh, listen, that's not the same thing. So you would have them just try to do it, all let Democrats, so that it can show, be. Let by, the facts can tell be, the
1: story. Bring in the people, okay. get the facts. And if you can do that, I don't, I don't love the, the vehicle of a congressional committee. Um, but if they're going to do it, the best chance they had was to have it be Democrats and let the facts speak where it doesn't matter who's on the committee. Okay. It's about the people who come before it. Now it's going to be a circus. And the Democrats didn't have to do it this way. And the idea it, of saying, I, I oh, think the Democrats had no choice. No, yes, I, I don't
6: think people said, that's not what people are saying. I think well, that's that, what you're saying. I think you should put the onus where it, it's on, and that's on Republicans. They should have put people on there who could look at it objectively, and they didn't. And I think that's where the blame should be. I understand what you're saying. Listen, I get what you're saying. I just don't agree with it. I think that the Democrats in this process- You're missing the point of no, no, the utility I'm, of the not, I'm not missing the point. I'm just not
1: agreeing with you. I understand what you're saying. I do. I know. Wits, but I'm saying. But I don't you, agree with that. I know. But just because you're you don't agree doesn't mean you have a good point. What I'm saying is just because I don't agree doesn't mean out, that you have a good point. I know. But if you <laughs> listen, I'm telling you, watch this threads after this. And they'll be like, hmm, he's right about it. Because if you want to find out bad. what happened, don't invite people in who don't want to find out what happened. Yeah. Simple. They didn't do that. Now they're going to
6: pay for it. Keep inviting them and make them look bad just as if the Democrats weren't doing the right thing. Keep inviting them if you want to do the bipartisan thing. I think bipartisanship, for the sake of bipartisanship, as I have been saying on this show, I think it is empty. I think in this particular thing, I think it's important for Republicans to participate because this is more about the health of our Democratic Republic. It's not about this should not be about politics. And I think the more you bring that out. The more you embarrass people, the more you show them up, the better. Because it shouldn't be about who's a Democrat and who's a Republican. It should be about who is fighting to keep our Democratic Republic in check, to keep our democracy. That's what it should be about.
1: I agree. All right. um, but, you know, when you come out of fantasy land and back here on Earth, you know, when you get off Bezos' <laughs> rocket, um, that's not what's going to happen now. And you might have been able to learn something that well, now you're it. not going to learn because of how this is going to well, be. L- why don't we see what we'll happens see. before we let's because, see what happens because I don't have to be naive about it. We've only seen what happens in these situations. And now you invited it to happen in a place where it didn't have to happen. But let's not belabor the point. We'll all watch it in real time. OK, they're damned if they do. Damned if they do. No, they're not. Thank they're you, not sir. damned if they do. I got it. Go. They damned because of what they did. Right. There's a difference. Okay. I love you, D. Lemon.
0: You as well.
1: I don't agree with you. You were wrong, but.